You may be seated, amen, if you can. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, amen? All right, all right. So, wow, what a blessing it's already been this morning. I got surprised. How many of you like surprises when they're good surprises, right? We like the good surprises. Well, I got surprised indeed this morning by our sweet, wonderful little preschoolers. You know, I always, and believe it or not, and, and, and Cindy Orr's in here. She's our pre, can y'all give her a hand? She's been like working with our preschool ministry, and I'm telling you, Got a fire lit in her for Jesus for these kids, and man, it's contagious. It is such a wonderful blessing, and they pulled one on me this morning, uh, and I think my family knew, but I never found out about it, So, um, and blessed me. They only brought, only brought a little bit, but i just tell you what I brought was as they made me this sign, and I want you to look at all these little handprints right here, okay? They've all got these little handprints, and they put their name by them. Now, one of them's a little bigger because that's my uh, little girl's handprint, my 14-year-old over here, who I'm trying to keep young. Uh, that's her handprint because she serves back there, and there's so many of them that, uh, that just love on these kids as Jesus teaches us to do. And uh, I just want to, man, tell you, you should see the basket they fixed me up with for uh, West Africa. I'm t- I got more beef jerky. Uh, yeah, I may just stay, you know, over there and... Uh, my, my David, I may have I may have some left over for you and Mike for December, uh, if me and Miss Parker and Pam don't don't eat it all. But that that's awesome right there, and uh, a big 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 blessing. Got all got all kind of stuff. So can we just give God glory for that for for what He's doing, and um, absolutely absolutely an honor. Uh, it's just an honor to be your pastor, and and I tell you that you as all the candy. I don't know how much I love candy. I mean, I got candy, I got Chick-fil-A gift cards, and I don't even know what all I got in that basket. I didn't even have time to look through all of it, but the best part of it all was those sweet little hugs that I got in there, amen, from those precious children that are God's children. So parents, thank you for keeping your children, bringing your children in church, keeping your children where God wants them to be so that they can grow and we can uh, come along beside you as the church, not take on your responsibility, but come along to encourage you as you raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord so that they can be all that God wants them to be. So that's, that's what it's about. That's a big part of what it's about. And as God moves in their life, he'll move in his church. Uh, as, you, as you walk them through what it means to be in covenant with Christ, covenant with his church. And so we've been walking through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 18 is where we're at this morning. And so really fired up about this chapter. The whole book is just a wonderful, wonderful book that reminds us of the hand of God on the life of his church from sending the Holy Spirit after Christ ascended and did exactly what he said he would do, that he would uh, send the Spirit to testify of him, the Son, as he had testified of the Father, showing us the beauty in that. And so we're going to dive into Acts chapter 18. We're just looking at the first 11 verses this morning uh, is where we're going to be. But um, I want to give you some, uh, the, the, the sermon title is Intentional. Everybody say Intentional. Intentional kingdom advancement, all right? We let to soak in intentional kingdom advancement because I'm going to give you some challenges this morning to, to see how intentional you are and how intentional we are uh, about intentional kingdom advancement. And the takeaway is use your occupation for the proclamation of the gospel. Now let that settle in. Use your occupation for the proclamation of the gospel. That is exactly what God wants you to do. That, that's exactly why God has given you your talents, your abilities, your mind, 
the resources he's provided you with, first and foremost, is to use your occupation for the proclamation of the gospel. So in today's text, we see where Paul has traveled from Athens to Corinth, which was the last major stop to present the gospel on his second missionary journey. Now, Bible scholars believe this happened between the years 49 and 52. Now, get this. When you look at the distance that Paul traveled to present the gospel, they say he traveled approximately 2,000 miles by foot and another 1,000 miles by boat. So this means a man around the age of 50 walked practically the same amount of distance from Birmingham to Ontario, Canada to get the gospel to other people, and he did it on foot. Amen? What's your excuse? Pastor, what's your excuse, the Spirit would say? What's your excuse? A man who walked 2,000 miles, who (laughs) encountered danger that looked like it was going to take his life, we'll get into uh, in a couple of weeks when you get over there in the, the Acts 27 and 28, and he did it all for the sake of the glory of God and because of his heartbeat to do what God had left him to do on this earth. And here's the deal. The very same thing God left him on this earth to do, he left every one of us on this earth to do. There's no super men, you'll see that in a minute. There's no super Christians, there's no super staff, there's no super Sunday school teachers or small group teachers. There is people who have been changed by the grace of God that when you are changed by the grace of God and you are called into the marvelous light of salvation, you become a minister for the Lord Jesus Christ. You become a minister. So this concept that only a few are to be advancing the gospel, this concept that only those who are vocational or that's the way they make their living, uh, is for them to advance. No, it's for everybody. And if we can get this and grasp it, that it's for every believer to use their occupation for the proclamation of the gospel, we'll see God move in ways that we never imagined that he could move because that's exactly how God's going to do it. So Paul used every means he had to advance the gospel in the most effective and efficient way. So... God expects us to do the same as individuals personally, as a believer, and then he expects us to do the same as a church. So I want to give you some realizations for intentional kingdom advancement this morning. All right, let me give you the first realization, then we'll look at Acts chapter 18 and break these verses down. The first realization is this. God gives us platforms to advance the gospel. God gives us platforms to advance the gospel. And and that's what he wants to do is to get glory. You think of guys like Tim Tebow. God gave Tim Tebow a platform to advance the gospel. And, and, and I will assure you that God received glory not because of Tim Tebow's arm, right? And it, not because of his talent and abilities. God received glory because he was a mouthpiece for his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so when the demons, when the devil, uh, who's the prince of this world, cannot stand the thought of the name Jesus Christ going out in a positive way rather than a negative way over the airwaves so that people can know there's a God who is a God, there's only one God, so people can know that Jesus Christ is the name above every name that even demons tremble to, the devil can't stand that, and God received glory when Tim Tebow used his platform to speak that. The devil can't stand tomorrow if you go to work for the first time and engage somebody to talk about the spiritual issues rather than what's going on physically. Because physical is not going to matter one day what we accomplish in the physical and in this physical world. What's going to matter is what we've accomplished spiritually and what we've accomplished eternally. So who, are you, who do you work around that you're going to do everything to be Christ to them so that when they die, God can take them home and you can spend eternity with them forever and God can use you to have influence in their life. 
That's, that's the way we've got to begin to think. God gives us platforms to advance the gospel. Look at verse 1 through verse 4. It says that after this, Paul left Athens. He went to Corinth. Uh, and remember, Corinth, he wrote a book to this church. This church is not even established yet. But he goes to Corinth in obedience, following the Spirit. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, who recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla. What cute names, amen? It was love at first sight. Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. They were under persecution. Claudius had commanded them to leave. And he uh, went to see them. Uh, It says here, Paul went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, tent makers, um, he stayed with them and worked. For they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to, everybody say, persuade. Have you ever tried to persuade anybody to follow Jesus? That's what we were left to do. Have you ever tried to persuade anybody to follow Jesus? Now, persuade is a word here that's of God. It's of honor and it's of glory. It's, it's not mean. It's not rude. It, it's, it's not, you're persuading them. Paul was a persuader. He never manipulated anybody, but he did everything to persuade people to die to their sinful self, to turn from their sin, and to follow Jesus Christ. But it says he tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. So he was using his platform even as a tent maker. Now what you're going to see in the life of Paul, even in this text, as he was faithful to what God had given him and entrusted him with, as he was faithful in that, God met his needs so that he could even advance the gospel more in an effective and efficient way because he walked in obedience to the Lord. But he, he, Paul, Paul used his platform. And then God, look what God did. Um, God put people beside him and brought him together, Aquila and Priscilla, They were Jews from Italy. They left Rome because of persecution. It says Paul came to them, and they had two things in common. They had Jesus Christ in common, and then they had their ability, their occupation in common, that they could come together and they could be tent makers. Now, here's what you'll find about them coming together to be tent makers. They didn't come together and say, okay, today we're going to focus on tent making and the job, but on Sunday we'll focus on Jesus. I think I just explained the American church, did I not? Today I'll focus on my job five days a week, but now on Sunday we'll focus on our purpose that God's left us here for when we come together with other believers. When the mission field's in the workplace, when the mission field's in the schoolhouse. Um, my field is uh, full, it says, but uh, uh, the Bible actually talks about my house is full, but my field is empty, and, and the workers, where are they? Where are the ones that are supposed to be sharing Christ? Well, they're all gathered in the house. They're, they're all gathered in the house, and, and God is wanting to stir our heart. That's why he says, pray for workers. Pray for those who will go out and who will share in the workplace. And so Paul was doing that. Aquila and Priscilla was doing that, and uh, God had brought them together. We see that Paul had a hard work ethic, and every disciple of Jesus Christ should have a hard work ethic for the glory of God. But we also see that a hard work ethic is, that is not used to bring glory to God by advancing the gospel is of no use spiritually. You say, I've got a hard work ethic, but are you using it for the advancement of the kingdom of God? Are you using your occupation for the proclamation of the gospel? There's some lights going to come on in here today in some people. I really believe that with all my heart. There's some lights going to come on in some people today as you think about this concept. The time that we spend, the time that you spend in Birmingham, the time that you spend in Hayden schools, the time that you spend wherever it is that you go to work, 
all the hours that you spend in that, have you ever slowed down and asked the question, now God, how do you want to use this platform to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ? Can anyone say that's not what God wants to do with the occupation he's given us? No. So, y'all see the importance of intentionality. We've got to be intentional about it. So the Spirit unites Paul, Aquila, and Priscilla for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. See, here's the truth about our God. God knows how to put a team together to do His work. My heart is so blessed as I see God even more, more than ever before, bringing about putting the structure together, the biblical offices together, the heartbeat together of His church here to get us solely and single focused on what we should be focused as as the body of Christ. That's the fulfillment of the Great Commission. That's the fulfillment of the gospel. That is something that today's modern church really doesn't want to embrace and be a part of sometimes because they're there looking at what is it you can do for me rather than what is it I can do to serve my Lord and advance the gospel and the work of the kingdom. And I see God at work and I give glory to him. And I, I thank and commend you for being faithful to what God wants to do in the life of his church here uh, in our church at Smoke Rise here as he does his work. So we have much work to do, but our God is able to do it in and through us if we just believe and walk in obedience. Now let me tell you a little more about Aquila and Priscilla. They were more committed to the advancement of the gospel than they were to their own self-desires and personal security. In fact, they would later make a move to Ephesus with Paul and host the church in their home. Therefore, we have the book of Ephesians. And so it was in Ephesians that they were so committed to the gospel that their business where they were currently at didn't mean more to them than a move to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I believe it's very possible in here today that a majority of us, our security that we currently have, our workplace that we currently have, our occupation that we currently have means more to us than possibly advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ if it meant he was going to move us to a different area. For that purpose. For that purpose. And so we've got to be more committed to the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ than we are to ourselves. Here's a question for us. What adjustments would you have to make to host a local church in your home? What adjustments would you have to make to host a local church in your home? Before we adjust the home, God must adjust our hearts. Amen? And God had done this in Aquila and Priscilla Paul didn't have to go out and, 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 and give a sales pitch to them of why he needed them to open their home. He didn't have to go out and give a challenge to them to get them on track. The Spirit of God was already in work at their heart. They were all in. They were committed. They did not think of this world as their home, and they did not claim any uh, spot to live for their own purpose, but yielded their lives to the Spirit and to the advancement of the gospel. Here's a question for us both and all of us. Are you and I living with this much dedication to the advancement of the gospel? If not, why? And my job, my duty this morning is to take the word of God and remind us of our purpose and what God wants to do and that we are to be a movement for Christ as disciples and the church is to be a movement of, uh, of, for Christ uh, as disciples and as the body of Christ. So they saw commonality with other Christians and used their platform occupation to advance the kingdom. Now, what do you have, as I told you, I had a lot of questions. What do you have in common with the people you work with, and how is your occupation being used for Christ? What are those commonalities that you have with the people that you work with? How is that being used for Christ? Now, the first thing when we talk about commonality is establishing a commonality that gives you the opportunity to share how God has changed your life. 
that gives you an opportunity to say, hey, can I, can I tell you how God is working in my family right now? Can I tell you what God is, can I tell you about my past? As the song said, basically reminding us that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I tell you about how God has brought me through a painful past? Can I tell you about how God is working in my marriage? Can I tell you about how God is working in my home because of me allowing him to do the work he wants to do? And that's the goal. The goal is to take for God to take you, all of you, the talents, abilities that he's given you. The goal to take your company. Some of you are on, you're, you own your business in here. Like, you don't even have to pray for God to change the person at the top's heart, that he would see his business being used for the advancement of the kingdom of God. God has gifted you and graced you, and, and you own your own business. But are we slowing down to think, how could God use us in a strategic way for the primary purpose of reaching lost people with the gospel? This is our calling as Christians and as a church, and we are currently being challenged by our IMB president, David Platt, to do exactly this. To do exactly this. And... And that's what we must keep at heart. That's what we must keep in mind. Let me just paint this picture with you real quick, what we're talking about, okay? In 2011, there were 6,700 unreached, unengaged people groups. People groups who had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, currently, that's down close to under 6,000 people groups. Why? Because God began to stir the hearts of a minority in 2011 to be burdened about those who had never heard the gospel, and they were more burdened about people who had never heard the gospel than they were the convenience and comfort of what they got out of living in America and being in American church. And God began to move on the hearts of those churches to say, we're going to do something to uh, advance the gospel and to adopt these people, unreached, unengaged people groups, so that we can get the gospel to them. Now, how many of you are aware today that the church is very selfish many times in its nature? Just raise your hand if you realize that. Because I'm about to prove it, okay? I'm about to prove it. I'm not knocking, I'm not hard, but I'm trying to tell you something that over time, a place, a church will settle into a mindset that does not bring honor and glory to God and forgets the purpose that he's left us for. We currently are associated with an association, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, that has 46,000 churches. You do the math. 6,000 unreached, unengaged people groups who have never heard the gospel and 46,000 churches. Who are we thinking about as a whole? Who are we really concerned about as a whole? It's not those who have never heard the gospel. Because we could reach, don't miss this, with 46,000 churches that God left here to advance the gospel with the same appetite, the same uh, uh, attitude, and the same commitment as the Apostle Paul and the early church, we could reach those people groups by the end of the week. Or we can go about ourselves building larger buildings, arguing about what we don't like in the new building we're putting up, Serve me my four and no more. Give me my song or I can't exalt him. You see, 
There's a mindset of selfishness that is settled in to the church. What if that same mindset would have settled into the early church? We might not have the gospel today. And that's what we see God doing. And we can't just see, we don't just see him doing it through somebody like Paul. We say, well, Paul was this man, but God was all over Paul. No, God was over a man and a woman named Aquila and Priscilla. It takes a team to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what is it God could do with your occupation for the proclamation of the gospel? Some in here today, God, like I said, has blessed you with your own business. Some of you say, that's a curse more than it is a blessing, Pastor. All right. And that can be a tough time. But do a little kingdom dreaming for a moment and envision God multiplying your trade, your business, in a strategic way to reach unreached people and unengaged people where basically they, people in a third world country who have never heard the gospel could be employed and through their employer be led to Christ and discipled. Building his kingdom is why Christ prayed this in his high priestly prayer. Father, I ask that you not take those who are mine out of this world, but what? Leave them in it. Why? As much as I would like to fellowship and commune with them face to face. For those yet to come to me. Leave them in the world, he says, for those yet to come. This is the reason I wish we could all go on a mission trip every year because it helps advance the kingdom and helps remove our craving uh, to advance our own kingdom. And it, it allows us to stay focused on what God wants to do. Well, here's a second realization let me give you real quick. We see in verse 5 and 6, we must never allow, our, we must never allow opposition to stop us from our mission. Verse 5 and 6, what you see going on here is Paul has been adamant because the gospel, he is under command to take the gospel first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And so basically what happens, he's been faithful in that and he's going to receive opposition for being obedient. So in verse 5, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word. What does that mean? It means that he was able to focus more on getting the word of God, the gospel out, and also walk away from the tent making at that point because of God's heartbeat to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when they come over to join, Silas and Timothy come over to join, he's able to more concentrate, focus on the spreading of the gospel, and look what he does. He testifies to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus, a word that many of them did not want to hear. And verse 6, notice the opposition. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Now, that's not the answer I recommend when you're trying to reach your neighbor and they say no to coming to church with you, all right? You've got to understand the context of what Paul was dealing with here with these Jews who had set themselves up in a prideful state, rejecting Jesus Christ because he was not the man that they wanted to follow because he wasn't the package that they had been praying for in their pharisaical prayers. And so they didn't want anything to do with him. And so what we see in verse 5 and 6 is, is, first of all, we see God at work in the life of Paul. He's able to devote himself more to the gospel and to church planning. How was that possible? It was possible because of a church, a Macedonian church, like the church at Philippi, they, they, they got it. They got what they were left on earth for. They got how God wanted to use them and how that God wanted to use them to support Paul. 
And you read on, over in uh, Philippians, you'll see where he was grateful for the offering that they were giving to advance the kingdom of God. He was able to devote more full time to advancing the gospel, and it takes a team to effectively advance the gospel. And God brought Aquila and Priscilla along with him. God brought others, as we read about, Silas and Timothy, to advance the gospel. And remember what I said before. Every disciple is called to do what? Pray, give, and go. Pray, give, and go. There will be people from the Macedonian church that were faithful, that sacrificed. There will be people who physically could not go, which will be the minority in that church, and they will have a part of every changed life for the glory of God because they said, we want to make sure that we invest in the right thing, and we want to make sure that the gospel gets advanced. And Paul comes back and says, thank you. So when we are intentional about advancing the kingdom, God will provide the support, and in verse 6, we see the devil will provide the opposition. That's how it works. That's how it works. God will provide the support, but the devil will provide the opposition. But we've got to remember what was provided first. We provided support first from our sovereign God. So when the enemy comes against us and tries to stop us, brings opposition, tries to stop us from reaching that agnostic at work or that atheist at work or instill a fear in us, you've got to remember something. God has already provided the answer and the support, amen, and the truth. How foolish to act that, like, that we are the Holy Spirit in somebody's life as if we're going to be the ones to change them anyway. We're not. The Holy Spirit is going to be the one to change them. When we open our mouth out of love and we do everything to reach them concerned about their eternal security. But let me give you the third realization real quick. We see in verse 7 and 8. When we stay on mission, we will find fulfillment in fulfilling the Great Commission. When we stay on mission, we will find fulfillment in fulfilling the Great Commission. And look at verse 7 and 8. And then I'll read that statement again and add a little bit to it. And he left there, Paul, and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household, and many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. Well, I sure am glad he didn't get too discouraged and go home when the opposition came because the Jews were upset, aren't you? I'm sure glad he didn't start saying, well, I just don't know if I can make that kind of commitment and leave my tent working job to take the gospel to the people in Corinth and then to continue to go to Ephesus. See, he was committed. He was committed. We are to be committed. When we stay, here's the part I'm going to add to this statement, this third realization. When we stay on mission, we will find fulfillment in fulfilling the Great Commission, and God will bring fruition to our obedience. That's what we see happening. We are proof of the fruition of this man's work. Right here. The believer sitting in this building right now are proof of the fruition of this man's work, this man's fulfillment and obedience and hard work ethic to at any cost get the gospel to where God was telling him to take it to, where it could eventually reach Europe and then it could eventually reach us. Amen? That's because of this commitment. So what commitment will you make as a disciple? What commitment will I make as a disciple that has an intentional kingdom advancement. What commitment? Like, will you die as a believer without any commitment that advances the kingdom of God? What commitment will you make? 
Cindy, I think about those preschoolers back there. God's going to call some of those preschoolers. They're all ministers. But God's going to plant some of them in third world countries for his glory. I think of the children that Miss Alicia's working with. God's going to call some of them for his glory and call them to unreached, unengaged people groups. God's going to call some of them to stay right here in Birmingham, Alabama, where there's lostness as well. And Hayden, Alabama, and our Jerusalem to live on purpose with intentionality as a minister for Jesus Christ, as being a nurse, being a teacher, being a doctor. God's going to take the middle schoolers that Jonathan's working with. And when he eats all the food and doesn't share with them, he's going to say, you see, people are hungry. Take it to them. No, but in all seriousness, and God's going to set them apart. The ones, the students that Henry worked with, God is setting them apart. Oh, how I hope you can see it. Oh, how I hope you can grasp it. Oh, how I hope you can say, I will be a part of it by praying, giving, and going. And so God will do the work if we'll stay focused, and he will fulfill the Great Commission. Fourth realization and last as the band moves in place. Even in our fear, don't miss this, even in our fear, God is near and protects us so that others might hear. That's the, that's the truth. Even in our fear, God is near and protects us so that others might might not so that others might hear verse 9 through verse 11 look at this how this all ties together we've already seen God move and bring salvation Paul didn't get discouraged by the opposition God had always provided and God will meet our every need according to our riches in Christ Jesus Satan will not be able to stop Jesus Christ from building his church Matthew 16 8 and in verse 9 we find Paul at a place even after God has moved and even after God has brought salvation into these homes guess what Paul himself needed to be encouraged because he was human, not superhuman. He was human. He was just a vessel. He was just a sinful man that had been changed by the grace of God. And he needed to be encouraged. <laughs> and the Lord said to Paul when not in a vision, do not what? Be what? Now would God tell him not to be something that he was? He was human. Some of you tomorrow, today God's going to tell you to go share the gospel with somebody you work with and the first thing the devil's going to try to instill in you is fear. And then the second thing he's going to try to instill in you is give you excuses why it won't work. And the third thing he's going to try to do in you is make you more about yourself than really that person's eternal security to get you to zip your lip. Rather than God to use you. And when God calls some of our missionaries out of here that he's going to raise up to take the gospel to unreached, unengaged areas, especially in very hard soil, in life-threatening environments, the enemy's going to try to instill a spirit of fear. But you know what God's going to do? God's going to say, it's my plan. It's my purpose. It's my will. I'm a sovereign God. I'm supporting you. There's faithful church praying for you. There's a faithful church that said we don't want to continue going down a direction to be a church that's not burdened about people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Walking around with our nose in the air as if we had something to do with those who brought it to us because of our goodness. And God's going to say, I've got you. 
I've got the support. They're going to get a letter from Miss Sweet Jean Lee and some of our sweet seniors that says, I was thinking about you today. I was thinking about it. And God gave me Psalm 91.1. He who dwells. He who dwells in the place of the Lord will be sheltered under the almighty wings of God. Amen? The God who will be with you through the tough times. The God who will keep you. The God who will hold you. Even in our fear, God is near and protects us so that others might hear. And here's what happens. The Lord said, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. Whew, you talking about encouraging verse? <laughs> For past encouraging, isn't it, Pastor Henry? Devil whispering in your ear telling you that teenagers don't want it. They want to chase the things of the world. Now, I believe there's some down here that really want it. Can I say another word? I believe there's some of them down here when they see their parents really want it, they'll fall in line. Yeah. They'll fall in line with what God wants. And church, I love you, but you know why I stand up here and, and declare this so boldly? Because I know it's what God wants for us in His church. I'm ready, Mr. Parker. Pam, I'm ready. My Teddy Ma, I'm ready. That's my friend in our adopted people's language. They're my Teddy Ma's. We've got to do the work. God is stirring hearts more than ever before. We've made a commitment. We made a commitment to adopt a people group so that they could know the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ and be in heaven with us one day, church. We made a commitment. Pray, give, and go. Be intentional. Because I promise you, we're going to do everything we can do not to settle with just one and say, God, where are you going to lead us next once we've been faithful to this commitment? That's what God wants to do with His church. That's what God wants to do with His gospel. It's advancing. So Paul, he encourages here, look, don't be silent. Paul was actually withdrawing. He was human. The church, when it steps up to be the real church, you can expect opposition. You can expect people who waver. You can expect sometimes people who will go. But God hasn't left the faithful church, amen? And God will not leave His, faith, will not leave his faithful cause for personal convenience. He says, verse 10, For I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I, I have many in this city who are my people. Amen? So when we're over there in a few weeks, we take out on a plane November 1st to take the gospel, and I'm getting to prayer walk streets of dust, and I'm getting to see people, and I'm getting to say, Salim Malikam. And they say, Malikam Salim, peace to you. And I say, Alabarika. And they say, God bless you. And they're able to come, and we're able to go around their little courtyard and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know there'll be people praying for us that the gospel will be advanced. Amen? Because that's step one. Step two is I know people will be giving to that cause and God will be moving their hearts. And God will say, let lost people who need to hear the gospel mean more to you than that new car or that new truck or that new boat. Let the gospel mean more to you. 
So Paul was not Superman. And even he needed to be encouraged in the work that God had called him to do. But here's the beauty of Paul's life that we see. That I pray God continue to work out in me. Got a long way to go. Paul continued to die to himself and personal hardship as God used him to spread the gospel, disciple others, and plant and establish churches. So therefore, he was faithful. He didn't retreat. He didn't, he didn't leave the mission that God had called him to. He trusted God because the gospel had so changed his life. Now, here's my question in our time of response as you bow your head and you close your eyes. First question is how have you responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ? How have you responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? The death, burial, and resurrection. So, what have you done with it? When God asks you, what did you do with my son? The perfect spotless lamb of God. The sacrifice who shed his blood because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. He didn't say with church membership, your sins will be forgiven. He didn't say with doing things good in your own power and ability, your sins will be forgiven if your good outweighs your bad. He'll say, what have you done with my son? What have you done with the gospel? Did you receive? Did you believe? Did you work out, not work for your salvation, but did you work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Is there any fruit on your life that you were a child of God? Or, you were, or were you a self-seeking person who never totally died to self and surrendered to God? Have you identified yourself with Christ through baptism? If you've believed and received His Word. If not, you need to today. You need to today. That's the first thing. There are people in here Who that if somebody asks you when, you, when you draw your last breath, will you, stand, will you spend eternity in heaven and something would grip you that wouldn't be a smile, that wouldn't be joy down in your heart. It would be fear. It would be uncertainty. I would not leave this building today if there wasn't joy that came to my heart when somebody asked me that question. I wouldn't leave this building. I would not leave this building until I, when somebody asks me and the thought comes through my mind when I take my final breath that, that, that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt where I will be. If I did not have that certainty that comes through Christ and Christ alone, the blessed hope Paul talked about, I would get that settled before I leave this building. I'd do it. I would not take my life into my own hands. Pastor, I'll think about it tomorrow and do it next Sunday. You know, I didn't promise there'll be it tomorrow. Foolish to even plan tomorrow when you haven't took care of what God wants to do in your life today. And honor him in it. And now, Christian, here's a, here's a question for us. How are you intentionally advancing the kingdom? How are you doing it? Hey, business owners, I want you to, I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to think about what you'll go into tomorrow with the business God's blessed you with. Why wouldn't it work in a third world country? Why wouldn't it work with what God's blessed you with? The skill, the talent, the trade, the ability. Why could God not start a business in an unreached, unengaged people group 
because the talents, abilities, and the things that he's allowed you and blessed you with to where he began to raise up a business to give people jobs, to support the people of the community, all with the heartbeat of getting the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Why won't it work? The only reason it won't work is your unwillingness to go if God calls you to go. If God can do it here, he can do it there. You say, yeah, but it might not be the same way. It might do better here. Well, who are you doing it for? Him or the souls of the people he's calling you to go to to teach them your trade? That's what God wants to do to advance the gospel. So as you bow your head and you close your eyes, what have you done with the gospel? If you're here and say, well, I want to receive it, I believe it, I've never totally surrendered my life to it, Pastor, so I don't have that peace you talked about, then right now in Jesus' name, tell him, say, Lord Jesus, I am hopeless without you. I am a sinner in need of your grace. I turn from myself. I turn from my sin and I confess them Lord to you and I invite you Lord I respond to your invitation and invite you by my confession and I confess you as Savior and Lord come into my heart and my life and change me thank you Jesus you did it not because of anything I did but because of my response to the gift of your son and your faith and my acknowledgement that he's the only way. Thank you, Lord. Use me in Jesus' name. And then a second bold prayer. If you're, a, if you're a believer and if you just received, then you need to follow through and identify with baptism. If you've been a believer and you've never been baptized, Scripture, biblical baptism, then I heavily encourage you. I heavily encourage you to follow through with identifying through baptism and give an external confirmation of an internal change. And then believer, if you're a believer, don't pray it unless you're willing, but if you're willing, just pray this prayer to God the Father. God, use me. Use my family. Use my occupation for the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said... Amen. Hey, stand all over. I want the band to play through a verse of this song. The altar's always open in this place. Always open. And if we can pray with you, you come. If you made a decision to accept Christ, just write it out on that card. Come and tell us.